Good morning, church. How's everybody today? Good to see you. I hope that you've had a good week and you're ready today to come and to, to study the Word of God. Amen. And so today, we welcome you. If you're a first-time guest, we're so glad that you're here. And I, I want to mention this. We have these at our guest services. If you'd like to know more about North Star, please pick one of these up. And uh, it tells our core values. It talks about the growth tracks. And it talks about the pathway to discipleship. And then it also talks about the different teams in our church. So this is a good piece. We want you to get one of these. And if you're uh, familiar with North Star, you may want to pick one up as well. Well, we welcome those that are joining us online, and we welcome those at both of our campuses, and we're excited about what God is doing at this church. This church is a place, are you ready? It's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody is perfect, and anything is possible. And when you leave our campuses today, you'll see those words, anything is possible. You may have come today thinking, you're up against some impossibilities. I'm telling you, with God, nothing is impossible. Can I get an amen to that? How many have experienced that firsthand? Give God a praise clap today. I have. I have. For certain. For certain. It is our, it is our vision at North Star Church to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. That means this nation and that nation. It means right here at home, which uh, makes me think about what I want to say about the new series that's going to begin next week. It's called Four. Four. Uh, we're going to be talking about how our church is for. It's, it's for our, our, our community. Our church is for our world. Our church is for our region, our cities. But also, our, our church is for our neighbors. But we're going to talk about in that series how our church is for our people. In other words, our church, we're for you. You may be listening today and think, oh, that church talks a lot about doing stuff on the outside. But sometimes I don't feel like they do stuff on the inside. I'm going to talk about that during the series, how we're for you. We're for the, the body of Christ. The scripture teaches that every part of the body of Christ is, is important. And then we're going to talk about how we're for our families. And so I'm excited about that, that series. I'm excited about what's coming up this week. The If Gathering. The If Gathering. It's going to be, ladies, it's for ladies, by the way. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. No, you'll be out of place, sir. Uh, there's a place maybe you can serve, though. But the If Gathering, it's going to be, I believe, this year, a life-changing weekend, this coming Friday. And just, I guess, because I'm the pastor or one of the pastors here, I, I kind of know what's going on, and it's... Uh, sometimes. And I know that it's going to be an incredible weekend, ladies. And we have a table uh, set up at both of our campuses where you can learn more about that. All right. Yesterday, I just got to say something about 
first Saturday serve days. I, I may not hit it like I've hit it for the last two, uh, but yesterday was like incredible. People were being the, the hands and feet of, of Christ. People were praying for people and people were ministering to people. And we, we saw uh, over 50, I think it's over 60, but just to be conservative, uh, at least over 50 uh, people from North Star. And we had two from another church. Isn't that great? Yeah. And uh, just being the hands and feet of Jesus, working with helping hands and stone soup and the Salvation Army. And it's just great to see God at work uh, among us and <clears throat> through us. We've been in this series and it's been really good. We've been talking about restarting. And, and while this is the last Sunday of this particular particular series, I want to just get this message across that you can, you can still restart next week. If there's a need in your life, if you'll come to God, God is a gracious God. He's a loving God. He is a merciful and forgiving God. And if there's a point in your life that you need a fresh start, a, a reboot, God will give it to you. Uh, I, I'm excited about today's message, even though it's the last message of the series. But this is what I know, and, and this may be the main thing that you needed by coming to church today. So I want, to write, I want you to write this one down in your notes. And that is that we, God sees you as accepted, approved, and deeply loved. I want to just leave that up just for a moment. God sees you. You may not see yourself this way. But God sees you as accepted, as approved, and as deeply loved. And so as we talk about restarting today, there may be some that are thinking, I've done too much, I've gone too far, I've messed up. I'm not good enough. Would you hear those words again? God sees you as accepted. Because of Christ Jesus, God sees you as accepted, approved, and deeply loved. Wasn't that a good statement to start this, the service off with? Come on, amen. Yeah, okay. All right, so uh, as, we, as we get into the message today, uh, I, I want to talk about uh, somebody that got a, a, a restart in their life. You know, I've read where psychiatrists in studies tell us that we, we have some spyware in our, in our minds. That I use the word spyware because that's the word I wanted to use, but that we have a voice uh, in, our, in our head, a voice in our mind that's telling us you've gone too far. It'll never be the same. You've messed up. You've done too much. And so we constantly have this voice in our minds, and I believe that's from Satan, and I believe that we have this voice in our minds telling us these negative thoughts that eventually cause us to believe that we can't restart. And that's why we need to hear principles and precepts and scriptures and truths like we're hearing today that you can restart in Christ Jesus. Now, the book the passage 
that we're going to be looking at today is found in a, a, a tiny little book in the most unexpected place. It's near the very back of the Bible. If you want to be looking for it, it's the book called Philemon. There are only 25 verses. There are no, uh, there's only one chapter, and there is no Philemon too. I like it when, like, Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. You know, you get to read more. But in Philemon, it's a very, very small book. And in this book, it talks about how uh, a, a guy sought forgiveness, sought forgiveness, got forgiven, and his life was forever changed. The... Um, the guy that we'll be looking at. Now, the, the uh, church had its beginnings in Jerusalem, all right? And then the church began to spread, and, and as the church began to spread, Paul wrote so many letters over half of the New Testament, and he wrote to those particular churches. Now, when a letter is written in the Bible, it was, there were two kinds of letters. There were letters that were to someone or by someone. This one is, the emphasis is on it, uh, who it was written to. The, the book of Philemon was written to Philemon. And so as he, as he we're going to talk about how he, he got this letter, and in the letter, it's, it's extraordinary. It's the message of the letter. Let, let me just set it up. Paul was in prison for preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while Paul was in prison, another guy, a 16-year-old kid, was thrown into the same prison with the apostle Paul. His name was Onesimus. Onesimus. And we're going to read about Onesimus in just a minute. But it's very interesting. It's by, by the very providence of God. Now, Onesimus was a, a slave. And he was the slave of Philemon. And it was by the very providence of God that Onesimus ended up in a Roman jail, which, by the way, was a long way from where Philemon was. But by the providence of God, it's God made it where Onesimus and uh, Paul were in the same prison. Now, On Onesimus was a runaway slave. And he had stolen some things and gotten in trouble. He had not been caught as being a runaway yet. But he was thrown in the same jail cell as, as Paul that we've looked at over the previous weeks. And I think it's really funny that, that he's, in the, he's in the same jail cell as the most devoted, profound, eloquent, powerful, gifted preachers of all times, Paul. And so what happens is Paul starts sharing the, the gospel with him. That's what Paul did best, right? And so he's sharing the gospel with Onesimus. And guess what happens? Onesimus gets saved. He gives his heart to Christ. He invites Christ into his life. He puts his trust in Jesus Christ. And so there in the jail cell with the Apostle Paul, here is Onesimus. So Onesimus is sharing his story with Paul. 
his story is, hey, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a runaway slave. Uh, I, I stole some stuff and, and, uh, from him, and I've gotten some more trouble and been thrown into jail. And uh, here's, here's my point. Paul, as insightful as he was, could see into the life of Onesimus, and he could see the potential that was there. So this is what Paul says to Onesimus. Onesimus was not really ready for this. But he says, son, uh, Onesimus, you're my son in the gospel. Onesimus, I want you, I want you to go back and find Philemon. And I want you to make right the wrong that has been done. Have you ever had to do that? That's not an easy thing to do, is it? It's to have done something wrong and have to, uh, th- this has happened in my life, that I've had to go back and, and ask for forgiveness. I'm not talking about just for losing my temper. I'm talking about for some stuff, you know. And so what he's asking Onesimus to do, it was like crazy. If you can just think about Onesimus, after he got out of jail, thinking, okay, I, I'm going to do this, but, but what if I get caught? Well, let me just tell you. Um, in the Roman Empire, in the Roman Empire, Empire, the the Romans were really afraid of a slavery uprising. The ratio of slaves to Roman citizens was five to three. Five slaves to every Roman citizen, and so they were very strict. And Onesimus knew that. And as Onesimus was thinking, uh, you know, I've got to go back. What if I get caught? Well, what if he got caught? He would be executed. Or at the very least, branded with F, capital F, capital U, capital G on his forehead. And this is the very word that we get our word, fugitive. And then thrown back into a Roman prison. So all of this time, Onesimus is thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Will he receive me? So Paul said, Onesimus don't, don't worry. I'm going to write a letter to Philemon. And what's interesting is the, the, the book of uh, Colossians, which was written to the church at Colossae, was written at the same time and most likely took both of those letters. Uh, and, and so he said, Onesimus, don't worry. God is going to be with you. And I want you to take this letter to Philemon. And let him read it and and let it be read in the church. And so, if you have your Bibles, look with me at Philemon. In the back of the Bible almost, the book of Philemon. Kind of hard to find. Uh, If you see like 2 Timothy, it's not far away. And Titus, Philemon. We're going to read... There are only 25 verses, but we're going to start reading with verse number 8. Are you ready? Say amen. The Bible says in verse 8, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold. Now, this is Paul, and he's talking to Philemon, the owner of Onesimus. Therefore, although although in Christ I could be bold and, and order you to do what you ought to do, yet... I prefer to appeal to you 
on the basis of love, it is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you. But now he has become, he has become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart. Do you hear the language? He's my very heart. I'm sending him back to you. I would have liked to have kept him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you would not, any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave. As a dear brother, he is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today, and thank you for this tiny little letter in the book of Philemon that teaches such profound, incredible truths. And I pray, God, that today you would open up our hearts, all of us, and open up our minds and, and help us be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is telling us about this story and about restarting. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray and all God's people said, amen. Now, this passage tells us a couple of different things. And let the Holy Spirit just apply these truths to your own hearts. If you want to restart, and you know Jesus Christ, you can restart. I don't care how far you've gone or what baggage that you carry, you can restart because of what Jesus did for you. Number one, you can restart because we are accepted in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? We're accepted in Jesus Christ. We don't even accept each other sometimes. But in Jesus, we're accepted, not based on what we have done, but based on what he has done. We, are, we can start over because we are accepted in Christ. Over and over and over, those two words were used by, by Paul as he wrote to Philemon, in Christ. He's in Christ. In Colossians, Paul writes, hidden in Christ. And what he's saying is, because of who God is and because God is a loving God, we're accepted in him, not based on what we have done. Another passage that, ref that um, affirms this is in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians Chapter 5, verse 17, listen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, say those two words with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, say it again. In Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All of this from God who reconciled us. Listen to the language Paul uses to the Corinthian church. 
All of this is from God who reconciled us to him through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. There it is again. Not counting people's sins against them. He has committed to us the measure of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now this tells us something. It tells us something that is remarkable and transformational. This is God's word to you today. It's remarkable. Put this in your notes. It tells us that there's something remarkable and transformational. That that means that God will take our mess and in Christ Jesus, (coughs) he, he forgives us. He justifies us. That's justification. And in Christ Jesus, we're justified. That means uh, even though we're sinful, even though we have issues, even though we have problems, in Christ, don't let anyone ever tell you that you can't start over. Because in Christ, we can start over. You know, two things here. Number one, God looks at us and sees Jesus. He looks at Terry and he says, if I were God, and I'm not, can I get an amen? God looks at me and if, it, if I looked at you or if I looked at, if, you, if I were God looking at me, I would say, eh, don't know. Don't think so. No. Too bad. Done too much. Went too far. Messed up too many times. Started over too many times. But that's not the way God looks at us. God looks at you. And he looks at me. And he sees Jesus. You see, he, our sins are, were put on him at the cross. Verse 21. Again, it says, God made him who had no sin, Jesus. God's only son, he made Jesus who knew no sin, who had no sin, to be sin for us. That boggles my mind. I mean, I know the story. I've been preaching for a long time. I know that God sent his son Jesus, and he lived a perfect life, born of the the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, and took on himself the sins of the world. I know those scriptures. I've read them. But it's still hard to, to fathom. It's still hard to imagine that Jesus, who knew no sin, took on my sin Look at the verse 20, 21. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so God looks at me, and he doesn't see all of my mistakes. He sees Jesus. That's the way the Father looks at me. It doesn't matter what you have done. Stop doing it. If it's the wrong path, stop going down that path. 
receive God's forgiveness. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, but in Christ Jesus, we take on the righteousness of God. We are justified by his grace. You see, the gospel, what I just shared, the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not clean yourself up so you can be righteous. That might be the message of some churches, but that's not the message of this church. The gospel is not uh, clean yourself up so you can become righteous. Rather, the gospel message is that he takes our sins on himself and we become righteous. Okay, I'm going to have to say it again, because I just didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. I, I, I didn't know you got it or not. The gospel, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. He paid the price for our sins. We're justified by grace. The gospel is not that you clean yourself up. Get that out of your mind, that you've got to work and work and work and work and work and finally achieve righteousness. The gospel is not that you get yourself cleaned up and get righteous. The gospel is that... In Christ Jesus, he takes away your sins. They were nailed to the cross, and you become righteous. Okay, amen. I felt like you got it that time. Well, so Philemon, he's reading this letter. Onesimus is shaking in his sandals, you know, hoping that he, hoping that, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and he doesn't brand him as a fugitive or take him on as his slave. Paul, remember what Paul said, uh, Philemon, I want you. I don't want you to take him back as a, as a slave, but I want you to take him back as a, as a brother. I want you to show the love of Jesus with this guy. I want, I want you to let God do a work in his life, but not only the life of Onesimus that sees you as a forgiving former master, but sees you as a, a, a brother in Christ. I said, uh, when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. The second thing from this thought of we are accepted in Christ is, is, is this truth, and that is that the gospel doesn't just save us. The gospel sustains us. Let that kind of sit there for just a minute. The gospel, the blood of Jesus Christ, doesn't just save us, justifies us, but it sustains us. And so that tomorrow when my feet hit the ground, I wake up and say, I'm I am justified by grace, and God is doing a sanctifying work in my life. That's called sanctification, and, and, and that is that God is not through with me. I'm saved by his grace. Paul was writing to Philemon saying, this guy, he's the real deal, and that God is still at work in his life. The gospel not only saves us, but the gospel sustains us. Paul wrote, preached a, an incredible message in the book of Acts, and, and he was preaching about how all the peoples of the earth 
both the Jews and the Gentiles could come to Jesus Christ. It was a powerful sermon. In other words, they are included in the good news of the gospel. They're included in the plan of salvation. In 2 Peter, listen to this passage. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power has given everything we need to live a godly life. Everything we need for a godly life. Say, well, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Yeah, I've got this issue. Yes, I've got this problem. God has given us everything. Some things? No, everything. God has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. I've, I've already said it one way. I said the gospel is, is not trying to achieve, 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 and then finally you get righteous. Here's another way of saying it. We're not chasing righteousness with the hopes of, with the idea that someday God will accept us. We're not chasing that, hoping that someday God will accept us and that we'll, we'll be good enough. That's not what Scripture teaches. That's not what he was writing in, in 2 Peter. Uh, that's not the finish line for me. Chasing righteousness. I'm seeking righteousness. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. All right? I get that. But that's not the finish line for me. I'm made righteous in Jesus. Does that mean I can live any way that I want? No. Absolutely not. It's not a license to sin. The grace of God is not a license because he gave us what we do not deserve. And he withheld his mercy, that which we do deserve. But I'm not chasing righteousness with the idea that some, somehow God's going to finally accept me. Because if I'm doing that, it's going it's to wear me out. And listen, a lot of believers are tired. They're tired. Because they're, they're trying to, they're chasing righteousness. They're, they're trying to be good. Good, I'm glad you're trying to be good. That's better than trying to be bad. But it's, 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 it'll wear you out. It's exhausting. That's religion. And this is what I know. Religion is exhausting. But the gospel is empowering. Religion is exhausting. It'll wear me out. But the gospel, oh, it empowers me. That doesn't make everything perfect, doesn't make all my problems go away, but the gospel empowers me to become the man that God wants me to be, the woman that God wants you to be. And so, I, I, I began this message with this point, and I said, we are accepted in Christ. It answers the question, can we start over? Yes. Why? Because we are accepted in Jesus Christ. He looks at me and he sees Jesus. He looks at me and he sees Jesus. Tomorrow he looks at me and he sees Jesus. The last thing is when you discover that, all right? I'm talking about when, it, when it's been marinating and when you finally discover it and your eyes are open, you grasp it, I'm somebody he wrote to Philemon and he said, Onesimus is somebody. 
accept him as a brother. Life in Christ takes us to a whole other level. Terry, what, what about Onesimus? What about him? Um, there is no Philemon 2. It's like a Philemon, the 25 verses is like a, a cliffhanger. We really don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. What happened to Onesimus? Church historians th throughout this period of history had pieced together some things about uh, Philemon and Onesimus. And they put this together and uh, we don't know. We don't know. These, this is church historians, all right? All we know from the Bible is what I've taught today. But church historians have taught that 50 years after Onesimus goes back to Colossae, which is what the book of Colossians, it was a letter written to the church at Colossae. Fifty years after Onis, young Onesimus got there, that Bishop Ignatius, this is history, Bishop Ignatius, who was the, the bishop at Antioch, and the church at Antioch was heavily persecuted the, the, the Christians were. We're told, historians tell us, that Rome came to get the troublemaker named Bishop Ignatius. Now, Colossae was in Galatia, but it was way down here, and Antioch was over here, and they came to Antioch, they, they arrested the bishop, and they were taking him back to Rome, which is way over here. History tells us that they took him through all of the cities where the church was prominent. After leaving Antioch, Colossae, Ephesus, the book of Ephesians, Philippi, Thessalonica. And they took Bishop through all of those towns and paraded him and jeered him. But at the same time, they were parading him through those cities. All of the church people came out and they they spoke words of encouragement. It's okay. You're in the hands of Christ. You're in Jesus. And they prayed for Bishop Ignatius all the way through each one of those cities. When Bishop Ignatius got to Rome and he, and he was in prison, he wrote letters to every one of those churches that he went through. And one of the letters that he wrote, he mentioned Onesimus several times. 
And we really don't know what happened to Onesimus. It could have been a different guy, not likely, but a different guy named Onesimus. And when he wrote, when Ignatius wrote that letter, he used the same words that Paul wrote to Philemon. He was useless, but now he's useful. I would like to kind of think that <laughs> that was Onesimus. Once a slave, went back to his master, made things right, got on fire for Jesus Christ, and somehow ended up over at Ephesus as even possibly the leader of that church. I don't know. I just know that Ignatius wrote about him. And he said, he's useful. I wonder about you. I wonder, do you feel sometimes like Onesimus? And you need forgiveness. And you need a, a restart. Maybe you're Philemon, that God is trying to teach you something about forgiveness and offering hope. Maybe it's like Paul wrote and said, you're hidden with Christ, you're in Christ Jesus. The point is, you'll never, ever, ever restart until you realize that you're accepted, approved, and loved by Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that... Uh, We've had this opportunity just to, to look at Scripture and uh, see hope in those that have gone before us. I pray for each person listening today. Today, if you realize for the very first time that you're accepted, approved, and deeply loved by, by God, but you've never entered into a relationship with him, I want to give you an opportunity today just to, to see that become a reality. It's putting your trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to lead in a prayer. It's more than repeating words, though, to a prayer. It's, it's something that happens by faith and repentance from your own heart. But you can articulate it through prayer, and you can say, Dear God, I need you. I need your mercy and grace. I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the grave and today I repent from my sins and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. I put my trust in you as Savior and today, on this day, for the first time, I follow you as Lord. And if that was your decision today. I want to encourage you to take your listening guide that you got when you, you came in today. It's a perforated part. Would you fill that out and indicate that you made that decision today? Or maybe as a Christian, you, you're making other decisions. Maybe this is your prayer. Oh God, help me to be faithful like Paul. Humble like Onesimus. Forgiving like Philemon. I want to pray for everyone, so both of our campuses, would you stand with me? I just want to say a word of prayer over you. God, today I pray that 
you, you said that your word would not return unto you void. God, today I pray that uh, the words that have been spoken from your word today, God, would re resonate within us and, and that, God, we would, by your Holy Spirit, apply these truths and principles to our hearts. God, thank you for the, the word of God and how in the very simplest, obscure book, you have a message for us today. God, thank you for meeting us here and God for giving us an opportunity just to study the word together. And, and Father, I pray that during these closing moments of worship that you'd be glorified and, and that our hearts would be sensitive to the word that you have for us. In Jesus' name that I pray.